When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition, a very special edition of the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Uh, today, I've got a captain with us. <laughs> and uh, I say captain uh, in a couple of different ways. Yeah, first of all, it's kind of playful. Uh, captain Hoff, uh, Stephen Hoffman is my guest today. He's the um, chairman and CEO of Founderspace, which is a global innovation hub for uh, entrepreneurs. It's actually one of the uh, the largest and best well-known, yeah, best well-known, well-known, yeah, most well-known <laughs> uh, incubators on the planet today, and just doing some incredible stuff. But the idea of, of being a captain, um, yeah, kind of in charge, and yeah, my whole focus, you know, in 40 years has been on leadership development, and there's roles that are typically associated with leaders, and captain comes to mind, the captain of the ship, the captain of the starship, I mean, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Steve has written um, a couple of books here that I think are just fascinating. They're all bestsellers. Uh, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, which is always an interesting process in and of itself, uh, having been in a couple of them. And then uh, Five, five Forces um, that actually can help you, you know, <laughs> stay afloat, I guess would be the best way to think about this. So that's kind of my introduction, fast-paced introduction here, the Cliff Note version. Uh, Captain Hoff, I welcome you to the show. Blaine, it's wonderful to be here, and I am ready to bear my soul. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just start with that. I, I typically only ask uh, one question, and then we just see where the rabbit holes open up. Uh, that question is this, you know, when you hear the term the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? So for me, you know, I always have followed my passion throughout my whole career. From, from the very beginning, I did, I've done many different things. I worked in Hollywood as a filmmaker. I founded three venture funded startups in Silicon Valley, two bootstrap startups. I'm now working with entrepreneurs all over the world, helping them find their souls in their businesses, you know, what drives them, what motivates them, what speaks to the world. And my understanding after going through so many different things, you know, great successes, you know, even greater failures in my life is that the soul of a business, whether it's mine or anybody else's, is the value it creates for other people. So if you really want to understand, you know, you can put any window dressing you want onto it, any, you know, some people say, oh, we give, you know, half our profits to this charity or we do that or this. But really, at the end of the day, uh, the soul is what does your business do in this world? And is that creating real value for other people and, the, and society in general? And if you go to that, then you figure it out. 
No, I, I, yeah, Steve, I, I love that definition. That's actually the first time I've heard somebody say it in that way, the value that you create for other people. And you know, not, in, not implicit in that is shareholders. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it isn't about maximizing shareholder value. <laughs> that is exactly. not the soul of your exactly. business. If you're focused on that, like some companies are, like Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. tends to be, they lose their soul. Because yes, you're maximizing shareholder value, but at the expense you know, of all the users, that's a company that we would call soulless. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, my last TED talk, I talked about um, the uh, purpose of business is the same as the purpose of nature. And the purpose of nature is to en- enhance the possibility of thriving for everything, for everything. And I see that as the purpose of business, to enhance the possibility of thriving for all life on this planet. So your definition just really resonates um, with me. As somebody that is uh, incubating all of these startups or one of these, these organizations that want to come to market, how do you, because it's, I mean, it's a fine line. How do you keep the founders, how do you keep the people connected to that esprit as they go through that trial by fire, literally, that can, uh, it can be burn really, the wings off of them? It can be really hard because there's a lot of pressure on entrepreneurs. There's financial pressure. There's uh, internal pressure that you're, you want to succeed. You don't want to fail. Family pressure, pressure from investors who put in money. And... All this pressure can make you make decisions that aren't necessarily in line with your original vision, which aren't necessarily in line with your values, like what you wanted to do with the company. We see this happen all the time. Like in Silicon Valley, there's a famous case of Theranos, you know, that startup that basically (laughs) lied to everybody about their blood testing technology and said it worked when it didn't raise billions of dollars only to have it all come crumbling down. And that company had lost its way. They had basically, uh, instead of just admitting what was happening and dealing with that, they created, they basically created a con job, a fantasy to sustain it. And we don't know if at the beginning, the CEO of that company really felt, Elizabeth Holmes really felt that really believed in what she was doing. She might have. But at a certain point, she allowed all those other pressures and all the, you know, who she wanted to be and who she wanted to be perceived as to override that. And it was just a matter of time before that company fell, because I'm sure in her mind, she kept saying, if I just buy more time, I can figure this out. If I just keep the investors at bay, you know, and, and just keep pushing this forward, we will come up with the solution. But it doesn't work that way. Like I, when, when I, coach and work with entrepreneurs, I always say the first thing you have to do is look at reality. Like you do not want to delude yourself. Like, no, you know, we all want to delude ourselves. I mean, we have to delude ourselves a little to believe we can create something out of nothing, that we can do something amazing, that we can start a business that will be successful. Like when you look at the rates out there, like most startups fail, we have to, we have to take that leap of faith. But at the same time, we have to always go back to what are we creating in this world? And is that doing people any good? Like are, are we, what we're putting out there, how are people using that? How is it changing their lives? 
And if it's not changing their lives in a positive way, that's the time to reevaluate. You know, uh, one of the things that I admonish all of the leaders that I work with, and you know, I've, yeah, for 40 years, I've been working with leaders around the globe. Uh, if they can come from the same thing that the docs come from, doctors come from when yes. they uh, enter the, the Hippocratic medicine, Oath. Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Right. If that becomes kind of the ethos by which they actually conduct their business, um, they're in for a very interesting journey at that point because the decisions they make are not going to be easy decisions. No, because yeah, a lot of time they're going to be sacrificing profit or potential, or they're going to be, or they're going to be looked at, you know, as failures potentially. Because oh, you know, a lot of businesses just don't work. They just, yeah. you know, you think you have this vision. Like I tell entrepreneurs, when you're starting, your, I give them really practical advice too, like really practical. Like, how do you get to the soul of your business? Like, what is it that is going to make you successful? And and I will tell you, the first thing you need to do is throw out all your ideas. And they're like, you know, most entrepreneurs think, you know, the way to be successful is have an epiphany. Start with this great idea. I'm going to change the world in this way and follow that vision. I tell them, no, those ideas are, are, are just ideas. They don't mean anything until you take them into the real world and yep. see how they work. Otherwise, <clears throat> Uh, they, they, they might boost your ego. They might make you feel great. And a lot of people won't abandon any ideas once they attach themselves to them because they, they become their ideas. They're, they are, are unable to separate their identity uh, from mm -hmm. the idea. And if the idea is failing, they feel like they're failing. This is why I say, come up with 20 ideas, 20 ideas. But most importantly, and this is where the soul of your business lies, come up with a direction. What what positive change do I want to do? So for example, I, I really want to make help small restaurant owners run their business better. I, I want to do that. And I want to explore ways to take new technology and ideas and business models and come up and improve their business. Now you could have a hundred different ideas in this area, you know, but by not just having one, you will actually go into the restaurant business You'll start talking to restaurant owners. You'll figure yep. out their problems, not what you think their problems are, what they actually are, what they're struggling with, the pain points, the headaches they have, the things that they're taking so long to do, so much work that you could actually uh, compress. You could actually change the way they do that. And that is where the opportunities lie, to build really great businesses. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, we've got a restaurant. You know, I, I live on an island uh, just north of Seattle. Wow. <laughs> in the last two years, you know, it's beautiful up here. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it truly is. Um, moved out of L.A., Marina Del Rey at the beginning of, uh, of COVID. Uh, I've had this place for about 20 years. And, uh, but the, the point being restaurants, you know, when everything closed down in 20, in 19 or 18, in 1820, 1920, 2020. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in 2020. Um that included all the restaurants on the island. It's a small island. So it's kind of like, now there was one restaurant that my wife and I would frequent. And we've gotten to know the owner very, very well. He's a good friend now. And he, fan, he found a way to stay open. And I mean, it sounds simple in retrospect, but he decided that takeout might be the salvation. The only way. They had never done takeout before. They were just a sit-down family dining restaurant and really good food. But their their food was never situated in a way that takeout seemed to make sense well yes. he talked it wasn't he like talked fast to his food people or, 
Yes. Yeah, it wasn't fast food, but he talked to his people and said, how could we do this? I don't want to, because if we close, I mean, if we close, you're going to lose your job. I'm going to lose my business. How do we keep this thing alive? And how do we actually find a way to do this with the food menus or the, the, the menu items that we have? Because this is what we're known for. And he was, it wasn't without struggle, but they actually did it. And he did it through conversation. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Yes. Um, conversation to me seems to be the foundation of all successful relationships. It, if I've got a, if I've got the the wherewithal to have genuine, authentic, real conversations, I can weather a lot of storms. That is, and, it's a really good point you make because a lot of CEOs, a lot of entrepreneurs, think they have to know it all. Like, or they're not in charge. Like they're, they're, people won't respect them. And that every idea has to come from them. And I tell them, no, no, the ideas are out there in the world. Your job isn't to come up with the ideas. It's to go on a process of discovery. And you go on that process. The best way to go on it is through conversation, through yeah. engaging the people around you, your employees, like they might have the brilliant idea that transforms your business. Might not be one of those 20 ideas you thought of. It might be that 21st idea one of your employee thinks is, or it might be your customers. And most likely it's a combination. And the more people you talk to, the more people you engage with and that you really listen to, the better your chances of success. You know, I was working with a CEO, a hospital CEO, not too long ago, mm -hmm. and we were you know, in this conversation about conversation, yeah. and and this guy was beloved. I mean, he and he was and he, he's retired now, uh, but he was extraordinary, extraordinary effective. A very competitive environment. Um, yeah, and I said, you know, what do you think is part of your success? And he said, mm -hmm. and he paused and he said, you know, I when I get within ten feet of somebody. I start to think of them as the expert of what they're in charge mm. of, what their mm. role is. I'm not the expert. They're the experts. So when I come at them, and this is an energetic, when I come to them, when I come you know, up to them, my energetic, my whole countenance is I'm speaking with an expert that I need to you know, actually revere and honor their knowledge and their expertise I'm going to learn something, but more importantly, the organization is going to benefit if they've got a voice and they think they're being heard. That and is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I have a rule for leaders and leadership, and I write about this in Surviving a Startup. It's one of the key yeah. rules. And that is the rule. It's called ask, don't tell. And I want to challenge all your listeners out there to do this for one week in your company. You don't have to be the CEO. You could be a manager. You can be anybody. In the company. I want to challenge you to do this. Every time you engage someone in your company or a customer or anybody else, instead of telling them what to do, and it's really easy, oh, you do this, go do that. We need this done. This is a priority. Instead of doing that, ask them, go to your employees or your coworkers. What do you think is the priority we should be working on? How do you think we can best do it? When do you think we can get it done by? The more questions you ask, the more, first of all, great information you get, just like the CEO, like they could be telling you stuff that you didn't know because you never asked. <laughs> Probably will. <laughs> right. And secondly, yeah. they're taking ownership. As soon as you ask them, is there a better way we can do this? What did you just do? 
you turned on the innovation light on their brain. Now they have to think, oh, is there a better way we could do this? Like, you know, we've been doing it this way for the past five years. Do you think there's a better way? What do you think that is? Do you think you could come up with a plan for that? Boom, you've turned them into an innovator in your own company. You know, the way I define um, leadership in um, the work I do is it's the activity of co-creating coordinated movement. And, and if you have coordinated move, you can get coordinated movement if you got a big enough stick or a big enough pot of money, but it's, it, it actually ends up looking like compliance. I want somebody that actually wants to do something. So this is where the co-creation comes in. Questions. Asking questions is probably the low hanging fruit of that universe. How do you get people to engage with you? By asking questions. Yeah. And it's hard because we're used to taking the shorthand. We think we know what to do and we just tell people, but I'm, I'm telling you, I want all your listeners for one week to tell, to tell, go through, go through their day and try not to tell anybody anything. Try always to ask them. And I'll tell you everything you want people to do. You can phrase as a question, everything you want people to do, even if they're doing it the wrong way. Like you look at them and uh, they're not doing it the way you want. <laughs> like you ask them, how do you think we should do it? And they say, I think we should do it this way. And you're like, oh my God, I've done it that way and it doesn't work. And instead of saying, no, 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 this is how you should do it. I know I've been through this. You say, you know, in the past we, we've, you know, we've tried that and it hasn't worked. Do you think you can make that work? And if not, uh, do you think that there's another way we could do it that would be more effective? You can just keep going down that path, asking questions until they start to come up with other ways to do it. And they may be the same as what you thought of, or they may be better. Mm -hmm. I love that. We're going to take a real quick break right now. And when we come back, I want to do a little bit deeper dive into the three books that you've got out, because I, there's a theme runs through all all three of them that I think is absolutely appropriate for where we're heading right now. So folks, we're listening to Steve Hoffman. Um, at uh, uh, Founders uh, uh, Founder Space, Chairman and CEO. Uh, we will be right back. And we have got something, I think, in store for you here that you're going to want to you know, actually be sure you're back for. So give me about a minute and a half, and uh, we will pick it up with Steve when we come back. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to BlaineBartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business. That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there.
Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. This is the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. And Captain Hoff, you've got three books. I mentioned them right at the beginning. Uh, Making Elephants Fly or Make Elephants Fly. Surviving a Startup and the Five Forces. Now, I've written five books, and all five of them have a theme that kind of runs through them. And I know enough about business authors to know that they kind of land in one little area. And I say a little, not in a diminutive way, but there's something that really is, you know, then the niche that uh, uh, gets them up in the morning and keeps them moving in the morning uh, through the day. What's the theme that runs through your three books and how are the three books a little different? Because this is something I, w- I want my, the, the listeners here to actually make an effort to go get these books because they are really good. They are award-winning books. They are really precise in the, uh, the way that you actually suggest how things can get done. And that's what I like about them. They, are, they really are to-do manuals, not esoteric manuals. So what's the, first of all, what's the theme from your perspective? Thank you, Blaine. The theme throughout all my books is how you can transform your businesses and yourself. So my first book, Make Elephants Fly, the elephant is the big idea, the big Mm -hmm. idea, but elephants don't fly. It seems impossible to get your big idea, your dream, your vision off the ground. So step by step, how do you do this? What does it take to innovate? Like, what does it take to go from an idea stage all the way to a company that is actually working? And it's not easy. It is not an easy process. You know, most of the ideas we have, we think are brilliant until they aren't. (laughs) And some people, you know, some people spend years on these ideas and never quite get there. And and so what my job is, is to compress that time uh, to figuring it out as early as possible and free people up and show them the path. And there's a lot of rules in this and a lot of just knowledge that I've learned from my own experience, like fumbling around, doing things and doing them in the wrong way, only to have them, you know, bounce back at me. My second book, Surviving a Startup, is really what the title says. It's like, how do you survive and grow a startup? How do you take that idea that you come up with and actually build a a viable business around it. And this can be a small business that you run yourself. It can be a medium-sized company, and it can also be one of these unicorns, one of these huge high growth businesses. And what's the difference between each of these? What are the fundamental things that differentiate a small business from a big business? Like if you want to take your small business now and you want to know, should I go out and raise money? Is this a business that investors will invest in? Well, don't waste a lot of time doing this. You can act there. Are, you can actually analytically figure out what are the criteria it takes to do that. Um, my last book, The Five Forces That Change Everything, is about technology. How will technology transform our lives, our businesses, society? Like all these new technologies are coming out, artificial intelligence, the blockchain, you know, CRISPR, gene editing technology, nanotech, all of these. And they are rapidly transforming the, the landscape out there, the, the business landscape and how we live and how we communicate. What's coming next? No, I was talking to Peter Diamandis, uh, who's the founder of the XPRIZE uh, about a year or so ago. And the, the whole idea of technology, digitization, democratization, 
yeah, uh, access to information in ways we've never had before. You talk about leveling a playing field. It gets to be really interesting. And you also talk about, and this is where I'd be very interested in your, in your take on this, uh, Steve, the change that is being created as a consequence of not only technology, but also sociopolitically. There's a lot of change that is afoot, you know, obviously today. Um, and as we start looking at how entrepreneurs actually build their businesses, yeah, you mentioned ego getting in the way. Um, and I'd be uh, interested in your take on my take that the difficulty with change is almost never the change itself. It's the disruption to existing relationships that people have that the change causes. Where do you find, if that's in fact something that you can kind of get behind as, as, a, as, a, as a thesis, how do you work with your, your founders to actually pay attention to the relational dynamic that is in play as they start growing their company or as they encounter obstacles and they're pulling their hair out because all of it has a relationship component to it. It does. A relationship with other people, relationship with us and our position in society, who we are. You know, I've seen um, and you know this because, uh, you know, it's in the, the medical space, the hospital space. Uh, I've seen startups with amazing technology, like absolutely a new medical device. That's like brilliant, right? It, it actually is much better for the patient. It's much easier for the doctor. But this product forces uh, people who do, their, their, do things one way to do them another way. So, for example... Yes. I was, I was working with this startup that had this, um, this device um, that makes surgery so much better and more effective, you know, less errors and everything else, but the hospitals didn't want it. Why didn't the hospitals want it? Well, because it changed the way they all did stuff. Like <laughs> there's a whole process they had in place and they just, even though it made things better, they didn't want to change. You know, the administrators of the hospital didn't want to change. The doctors, some of them got on board and wanted to change, but they weren't the ones making the decisions. So even if they're the surgeon, they don't always make the decisions. The insurance companies didn't want to change. And the hospital's like, well, if insurance doesn't cover it, we're not even going to consider it. And so when you're talking about change, you have to look at all the different players. What's, what are they required to do? What is their psychology? And yeah. it doesn't matter often if you have the best product in the world, if there are other people who, who because of, for whatever reason, aren't going to change and you don't engage them, you don't start those conversations early. Like they spent a lot of money developing this only to find out it's a total flop. Like it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and because they didn't have those conversations early, they didn't get inside the heads of all these different people. They didn't even understand who makes the decisions. They talked to surgeons. And they said, oh, surgeons loved it. They were like, oh, this is great. It's, you know, saves us all this time. We don't have to clean the equipment and all this different stuff. But they didn't make the decisions. Like there were also right. players embedded in the hospital industry who made like, who were part of that process and they would be displaced. And so there are all these forces working against them, just too many for them to overcome. See, I, I love that illustration because that is in fact my experience. I mean, I've, I've been part of a, yeah. On a you know, SAP, you know, rollouts, yes. you know, large, you know, SAP is so bloody difficult, not so much because the technology isn't good. The technology is brilliant. 
but the disruption to existing work processes that the implementation of SAP causes is, is I mean, it, it's hair pulling aggravation. You yeah, know? And, and, and most people don't want to change, right? They, they don't want to exactly. change unless they have to, unless they feel that they have to do it. Co-creating coordinated movement. So, you know, folks, as you're listening to this, I want you to really hear you know, from the voice of somebody that has had enormous success, not only personally, but also at shepherding you know, organizations and businesses you know, to the next level. It's all about relationship. If you are not paying attention to relationships, you are going to be dead in the water faster than you can begin to imagine being dead in the water. And I mean that very seriously. And, and you're going to want to go three or four ripples out from who you think you're actually impacting. Yeah, you know, that's been my experience as well. You know, you know, speak yeah, because who you out. think is your customer isn't always your customer. Like, like I said, they thought the, the surgeons were their surgeons. customer and the patients yep. were their customer. So the patients would love it. They would request this and the surgeons would love it. Turned out neither of them was the customer. Neither maker. Yep. Yeah, and that is the crux of the problem. I think it's fascinating. You know, you, you talk about this, and one of the things that comes up real quickly here is just a you know, and it's, and it's, you know again, I just kind of go back to my own experience. Most people will try to convince based on logic. Yeah, and this is something that I've run into with entrepreneurs, and, and the one that you were just describing here. Yeah, you know, and they do. They, they probably got one of the best products on the market, and logic would say it could be, it could and should be adopted. But communication is a biological process, not a logical process. And if you're not paying attention to the biology of the communication, where are you going to be? Because uh, yeah, it's all about meaning. People, how I describe something to myself, how do I feel about it? How I feel about it drives my behavior. If I feel threatened, I'm not going to engage. Oh, you're, you're hitting you're the nail on the head. This goes back to another one of my books, Surviving a Startup. So I talk for a very different example is how do entrepreneurs raise money? And entrepreneurs yeah. think if you logically go through everything, they will write the check. <laughs> you know, they, they, they believe that, you know, if I tell them enough about yeah. my technology, enough about my business model, enough about this, enough about that, then they will see that this is really amazing and they will write the check. But when you pitch investors, it's not about logic. Like you said, this is, could be, it's not just investors. It's if you're selling to anybody in sales, if you're trying to convince anybody to do anything, just like you're saying, people are emotional beings. They are, and how do we communicate in the world? We don't, like if you read, if you pull up uh, the, the Wall Street Journal, you're not reading just facts about these companies. Like it's not written, oh, here's this fact, here's this fact, here's that. What they're doing is they're telling you stories stories, the power of stories. You know, you look at what moves stocks up and down, you look at what moves people, it's storytelling. So when you describe your company to anybody, whether they're, they're a potential customer, a potential investor, a potential employee to join you, and you want to convince them that what you're doing is meaningful, what you're doing has a future, what you're doing creates value, you have to go to the story. And you have to craft your story so that it speaks to that person. Like what in their life, what do they want? How do they view the world? And how does your, what you're doing impact them in a positive way? So- No, yeah. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, Steve Jobs comes to mind when you're talking about that. I just see him standing on the stage in his black turtleneck and his black jeans going, one more thing. It's just yes. people lean in. It's yes. One more. It's the story. 
It's the story. And Apple had this story that went beyond their technology. He didn't spend forever saying, you know, we have the best microprocessors. We have the best screens. He didn't even talk about the hardware or any of that stuff. He talked about what their products would do to people's lives, how it would delight them. And he talked about Apple being the underdog, like the the story of the underdog going against IBM, you know, the the famous moment, you know, breaking through. Um, He talked he talked about the emotional impact and how beautiful the products were, right? How would you people want to own products that um, make them feel good, that make them, uh, that they can show off to friends, that make them look good. So they feel good themselves using it. They look good in other people's eyes. These were the stories he was telling. You know, that I, we're going to end on that just because we're looking at time here. And I'm really frustrated that we do have to end right now because I want to keep going. Um, but the idea of, I want to show people, I have got, you know, in the cupboard behind me here, I've got the box of the first iPhone mm. that, you know, when it first came out. I was, I was working with Nokia at the time. I was you know, running a, a large leadership uh, uh, development program for them. Um, and the iPhone came out. And I you know, just kind of jumped the fence and said, yeah, I'm going to get one of these things. I was shut. How I felt about me holding that box before I ever opened it up the box the yeah, it was packaged so extraordinarily well the package Steve Jobs expensive. revolutionized how products are packaged he revolutionized the experience of unboxing he you yep. know the, the phones were charged like that was a huge yep. thing none of them were ever charged like he wanted the moment that phone came out you could plug it in and it works those yep. small details made all the difference all the difference. We've been talking to Captain Hoff, Steve Hoffman, um, founder. Are you the founder? I think you I are the, the founder. founder and CEO and captain <laughs> and of chairman. Founder Space. <laughs> and the captain, the captain of Founder Space. Um, where can people find out more about what you're up to, uh, Captain Hoff? Super easy. Just go to founderspace.com founderspace.com. Reach out to me. You can contact me there with email, tons of videos, tons of other materials that you can do. And I'm also on all the social networks. So you can find me on everyone. LinkedIn is a great place. Search for Steve Hoffman, Captain Hoff, and you will find me. Yeah. And, and folks do go to the website for sure. Uh, I've uh, taken, you know, since uh, Steve and I got on each other's calendars here. I've been kind of you know, nosing around on the website. There is a ton of great material there. You And it's a well-designed site. It's, it's really easy to navigate. So folks, I want to thank you for listening. Um, Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Tune in to, uh, you know, tune in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tune in, obviously, on the next episode. But uh, also feel free to jump over to my website, blainebartlett.com. There's a bunch of resources up there as well. And... Um, I invite you to uh, take some time and consider a masterclass program that I'm featuring right now. I think you're going to find that it's got uh, a lot of value to it. Uh, The introduction module is free, so I will uh, be sure that that's on a prominent place on the website. I want you to take advantage of that. And we will see you on the next episode. Steve, thank you very much. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Blaine. Take care.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.